Welcome to Slutty Activism, the podcast that teaches you to fight fascism with your genitals. Really, you can become the change you want to see in the world by becoming an extraordinary lover. No experience necessary. I'm your host, certified sex coach and professional sexual revolutionary, Sarah Martin. Let's get started. Hello, friend. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Slutty Activism Podcast. Have you ever hit a slump when it comes to pleasure? You go from being in the flow, excited by the novelty of your experiences, living out your resourcefulness and creativity in deliciously debauched ways until all of a sudden you experience something like writer's block, but for your orgasms. Or maybe you weren't really pursuing novelty and experimentation and instead are curious about what more is possible, given that you grew up with a pretty limited frame of reference about sexuality. Or maybe you're happy. Things are going great in the pleasure department and you'd just like to add more. One of the best things to do when you're out of ideas is to look to others for inspiration We, as humans, are primates that learn by following examples, after all, and each of us brings our own unique lens and ideas to experiences of sensuality, sexuality, and eroticism. It can be wonderful to chat with your close friends for inspiration. I'm especially lucky because my close friends include some of the most talented, creative, and downright interesting sexologists on the planet. So... It is with great joy that I'm bringing you a series of conversations with my colleagues on the topic of uncommon pleasure. The goal is to share with you fresh, new ideas and practical, actionable tips and advice so that you can start enhancing your pleasure immediately, as well as store up some ideas for the future. You'll also hear me make reference to video recordings. These are available as part of the five-day Pleasure Diary Challenge in the Slutty Activism podcast community group. You can join for free by going to sluttyactivism.group. In today's episode, come listen as I catch up with Cam Fraser. Cam is a certified professional sex coach and certified sexologist who brings together the academic and the esoteric into powerful coaching and support for men. Any day I get to talk shop with Cam is a good day, and this was no exception. We drilled into the two conversations we need to have as consumers of porn, looking at porn as a tool to amplify arousal and explore sexual fantasies, and ways to bring embodiment and full-body pleasure to experiences of porn. There is so much richness here, and Cam offers so many practical tips You'll be set for a while when it comes to new ways to experiment. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Cam. Hello, 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 everyone out there. Today, I am so excited to be introducing this person, this uh, amazing guest who's come to speak with us about some more uncommon pleasure. And 
for those of you who are just listening, there's lots of nodding and smiling going on. For those of you checking out the video, you can totally see that I am sat here with Mr. Cam Fraser. Hello and welcome. Would you like to say hello to the people? I would love to say hello and thank you so much for having me as well. Hello to everyone listening. Yeah. So I want to tell you all a little bit about Cam. Cam is a certified professional sex coach and a certified sexologist, and his work integrates scientifically validated, medically accurate information about sexual health, together with sacred sexuality teachings from the mystery traditions. And as a coach, he helps men go beyond surface level sex and into full-bodied, self-expressed, pleasure-oriented sexual experiences free of anxiety or shame. And I just love Cam. I've known you for, I don't know, a while now. And good couple of years, I think. Yeah. And Cam is someone that I have admired. We have some synergy in our work. We also do some different things in our work. And so it's been fascinating to have this wonderful colleague friendship uh, across time and space because Cam is also in Australia, uh, <laughs> which is sometimes a challenge with time zones and it's always worth making the effort. So thank you for coming to chat with us today because today we are going to talk about porn. Is that right? Yeah, I uh, I hope to talk a bit about porn and uh, maybe have some conversations about porn that people haven't had before. Yeah. And I think this is really a great place to start because folks might be listening and going, porn, that's not an uncommon pleasure. And at the same time, like immediately when I saw you recently talking about porn and a more conscious use of porn, I thought to myself, oh, but this is fun because it's, it is uncommon, but it's taking something that is very familiar and making it accessible to people in a whole new way in the service of their pleasure. Have I got that right? Yeah, very much so. Like when I speak to guy, I speak to a lot of guys about the way that they masturbate, for example, and oftentimes like the 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 way that they tell me that they use porn is like it's very similar. Every guy uses, I mean, this is a generalization, but every guy I speak to uses porn the same way. Um, it's like either either you know uh, sitting down at an, at an office chair like I am now uh, in front of a computer kind of hunched over the screen mouse in one hand you know cock in the other kind of going through the motions clicking on their favorite tube site or it's maybe on their phone uh, sitting in bed or lying on the couch swiping or you know maybe on social media maybe on Instagram I don't know maybe on TikTok um, and again phone in one hand cock in the other very stagnant and stationary so hopefully those two scenarios land for the people listening, because that is definitely how I hear men talk to me about the way that they masturbate. It's very, very common. Yeah. And what I hear when I listen to you describe that, which is also something I've heard from my clients too, is just this, oh, like, I don't know, this sense of, that's such a disembodied way to go about experiencing pleasure. And I think that relates in part to I've heard you talk a bit about there's the what and the how as the two conversations we should be having as consumers of porn. And I'm wondering if you could say a bit more about that, because I think it does relate a bit to that theme, right? Yeah, totally. So uh, I, I clarify as like, you know, as consumers of pornography, because um, there's other conversations that are really necessary with regards to porn, which is like from the performer's side of things and the industry side of things and like 
And so I'm just really clear that I'm not having those conversations. Gotcha. Um, and, and there's some people that are having really important conversations in that regard. But as people that watch porn, right, and I put my hand up and say, I watch porn as well. Um, but as people that watch porn as consumers of porn, there's kind of two things that we need to be mindful of in these two conversations that we need to have. The first is like, what type of porn are we watching? And this goes from, you know, one side of that is like, you know, is it ethical porn that we're watching? Like, are we, are we you know, watching free porn off of tube sites where it's maybe been ripped from someone else's personal website and it's, you know, and we're not, we're not paying them. And so there's no, there's no ethicality, there's no fairness, there's no fair trade with regards to like their um, product they've created for us. Um, you know, are we watching uh, feminist porn, for example, where the practices behind the filming of it have been, um, you know, that they're, they're treating the, the performers fairly and making sure that everyone, you know, there's a lot of consent involved and everyone's feeling safe and heard and valued. Um, but then also like what type of porn are we watching is also with regards to like, you know, what are the messages in our porn? And this is where like we apply some like media literacy skills or maybe porn literacy skills even. It's like what type of porn are we watching in terms of like, you know, is it very hardcore and is it showing, you know, uh, very unrealistic uh, expectations with regards to what sex looks like or are we seeing... Um, yeah, you know, uh, could be anything, anything with regards to like what is literally on screen in front of us um, and and the messages that that's portraying and conveying to us uh, as you know, as regards to, to sex and sexuality and masculinity as well. Um, you know, like what type of bodies are on screen, for example, how big are the penises on screen, things like that. Um, and then uh, the, the how conversation, which is one that I don't really see talked about as much and the what conversation is like kind of there but the how is where I think it really gets interesting which is like how are you using the porn right so very often I, I hear men saying well the how is I'm sitting on my couch or I'm sitting in my office chair and I'm just you know hunched over a screen going through the motions but I think some really interesting things come through when we start to go well what about if we explore that a little bit more what about if we uh, stand up when we watch porn? What about if we uh, listen to the porn instead of watching it? What about if we start to move our body around and put a mirror next to us and have the porn on in the background and start to look at our own reflection and start to get turned on by that? What if we start to explore maybe different types of porn in terms of like erotic literature or, you know, some other maybe instructional pornography that's like guiding you through like, the how we're using the porn, I think is like really cool. I think there's like some stuff there. And, and the way that I frame that conversation is like porn is a tool, just like a sex toy is a tool, just like, um, you know, just like a, a like breathing is a tool. Like we can use these things to amplify arousal, to um, explore different parts of our body, to maybe explore fantasy and, you know, things that turn us on and maybe even discover some boundaries and things that turn us off as well. Um, but the, the how conversation is where I really find a lot of like fascinating things. And that's really, you know, where a lot of this uncommon, I suppose, uh, pleasure comes from is like using porn in really interesting ways. I think there's like some, you know, um, some fascinating things that you can do. So the what's conversation I think is like important to start with, but then it's like the how is where I think things get really fun. Well, yeah, what I just heard there was like a rapid fire list of ways you can change up using porn to have a different experience, right? You talked about listening without watching. You talked about having a mirror nearby, standing up. And, and these are all small tweaks, but they add this sense of novelty, right? And, and with the, the listening 
without watching, it's stimulating a different sense, right? Because as for those of us who have sight, the visual sense is so overpowering often that sometimes removing that allows the other senses to come out and play as well, right? I mean, the advice or not advice, but a suggestion I would often give to my clients is using porn in this way as as fantasy fuel and like watching it, but not touching yourself, storing it up and then go and explore your body using it as like the cinema of the mind, like replaying the parts you like, adding in your own additions for stuff that you prefer. And I think that's, you know, in the same spirit, in the same vein of we've got this extraordinary resource and, you know, porn's not a monolith. Like you said, you've got written erotica, you've got gifts, right? Though RIP the Tumblr blogs that had those great collections of, <laughs> there, there are many people that are very sad and feel that loss mm. greatly. Yeah. But that, you know, we've got this great resource. And instead of there being just all of this shame and taboo, like how can we, how can we come out to play in a whole new way? Yeah. And I think like that um, gets swept under the rug because the conversation about porn is very like the, the conversations that I see and observe are like very emotional conversations. It's like porn is good or porn is bad. It's like very black and white dichotomized conversations. And there's no room for that beautiful gray nuanced space. Um, because those, those conversations are really driven by, you know, a lot of, uh, people that strongly oppose pornography as an idea, as it, you know, as it yeah. stands. And so everything is bad. Right. And then the, you've got people that are really like, again, pornography as an idea, they want to support. Right. And so they, they have to counter that argument by saying, well, no, porn's actually good. But then, it, you know, my opinion is like, well, not all porn is good. Not all porn is bad. And, and, you know, having room to explore that and find out what is good and what isn't so good and what works for you and what doesn't work for you, I think is a lot more, um, healthy and having that healthy relationship is um, with pornography is is what I find is is a lot more valuable. And so, um, yeah, I, there, I've got so many suggestions with regards to like things that guys can do. I love the idea of like not touching yourself and letting that build that arousal because that's what porn is really good at, right? It's really good at arousing us. It's really good at exciting us. And so, like, if we can use that, you know, we can use porn as a tool to build that excitement, build that arousal for us, and then we can do something with that arousal. I often speak to guys who maybe do have a bit of a reliance or a dependence on pornography. They find it difficult to masturbate and to be turned on without it. I said, well, look, let's use porn in the way that you have been using it, which is to excite you and to arouse you. But then let, let's pause it and then let's turn away from the porn and let's play with that arousal that you've just built and that you've just used you know, to excite you. And then if you feel that subside a little bit, no problem. Let's swing back to the porn build that excitement and that arousal back up because it usually happens quite quickly because again that's what porn is designed to do and yep. then let's pause it once it's built up again turn away and start to play with that arousal again and start to develop a you know a bit more of a healthy relationship with the pornography that you're using and also simultaneously building a healthier relationship with your own body with your own arousal and embodying that and that that swinging back and forth is just um you know there's a guy called joseph kramer who you know kind of yeah uh 
really created this kind of healthy porn watching modality, I suppose, but he calls that the pendulum where you just swing back and forth between pornography and then your own arousal and embodiment. And then, you know, if you want to you know, heighten that arousal and that sensation again, then move back to the pornography, maybe in a different way and then swing back to your own body. So that's like one suggestion that I have to guys that maybe feel like they're a bit reliant on the porn that they're watching. That's awesome. And I, I love in your description there, it's so de-shaming. And it's not taking any like, oh, yeah, you know, that's what happens. Or Because I see there's so much discourse on the, the porn is bad side of the fence that, you know, total abstinence is the only way to be yeah. an alpha and blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, you know, like when when you the things that one says start, you know, like when nofap starts sounding like, you know, fight the new drug, you kind of go, hmm. You know, what's what's going on here right and anybody who doesn't know fight the new drug they're an organization that's really strongly anti-porn and they're responsible for putting out a lot of the anti-porn research papers which are all like a lot of them are done at Brigham Young University it's really interesting the involvement of Mormons in the anti-porn movement but yeah like it always surprises me when like really far-right people and people who you know say that they adhere to like feminism as an ideological framework are at the same marches uh just shouting porn is bad porn is bad and then the thing is like like we all use it or you know a lot of us do like that's the thing it's like if when you blanket shame porn like that it also seems to me like there's a systemic factor here right because if porn is bad and we're all watching it and we're all secretly bad, that's shame, right? That's a mechanism of control. So, and yeah, thanks for bringing up Joseph Kramer. He called it porn yoga, didn't he? Uh, originally, he did call it porn yoga. And then he realized, oh, maybe I'm appropriating the term yoga here. Yeah. And so now he calls it embodied porn watching. Um, but yeah, I, I, I get like people that adhere to the anti-porn sentiment very strongly, like jump onto my page when I talk about the nuances of porn because I'm not staunchly anti-porn. I'd probably consider myself anti-anti-porn, right? Um, but, you know, I'm not necessarily <laughs> pro-porn because I don't think porn's all good, um, but I'm not anti-porn, I, I, but I'm anti the people that are anti-porn, So, um, which is a bit of a, a, a mind uh, uh, boggle. But the, um, the, the thing that I, I think is like, quite um you know quite important is yeah like the de-shaming of it because you know people's I mean these types of people when they come into my social media page they'll say that I'm promoting pornography and then I'm promoting you know porn addiction and all this other stuff right all this like they say I'm contributing to the the negative side of things yeah and so and so like I'm not necessarily you know I'm not saying go out and go and watch porn I'm acknowledging as you beautifully shared heaps of people are watching porn Right. And I'm not here to tell them not to do it. I'm not here to tell them that they should watch more. I'm just here to go, here's another way of watching the porn that you're already watching uh, to give you a bit more uh, mindfulness and awareness around it, to give you a few more strategies to explore the different nuances of it, as opposed to being like, you need to go out and watch porn today and you need to watch it all day, every day. Like, (laughs) I just feel like the, the, 
the, the language that they use is just like so, um, again, it's very emotive, right? And it's very like it's coming from an emotional space because a lot of these people have probably had a, a negative experience with porn or, or someone in their life has. And so it's really impacted them in that emotional way. Yeah. And so there's this a lot of, there's a lot of charge around it when they have these conversations. And I just try and, I want to try and diffuse that a little bit and be like, okay, cool. Let's bring a bit more understanding, awareness and nuance to these conversations. Cause I think that's where some more valuable experiences can come from. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's a recurring theme here, isn't it? Because it's not so much that you're pro-porn as you're like pro-choice. And actually by de-shaming, you know, pornography as a, a tool for fantasy fuel, right? It allows people to step out from behind that shame and actually make conscious choices like, huh, like, I wonder how this was produced. I wonder if the actors have been fairly compensated. I wonder what the ecosystem, like, these are real human beings, you know, I think when we're covered in that fog of shame, that that that's not what we're thinking about because we're more concerned with how do I stay hidden? How do I make sure nobody finds out? How do I make sure I do this quiet enough so that my wife or my girlfriend or my partner doesn't hear me? You know, how do I clear my browser history, right? Instead of these bigger questions, like how does how does this fit in? And if I like accept that I enjoy engaging with fantasy fuel. Wow, I have choices, right? I don't just have to go and like jacket to whatever's on Pornhub today, new and noteworthy. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And I I think you you alluded to this before, but when you kind of open your mind to porn as fantasy fuel rather than just porn as Pornhub, like there's a whole cornucopia of options. It doesn't just have to be videos of people having penetrative intercourse right there's a lot more options yeah totally and and like you know I, I talk about I mean I mentioned this before but I talk about you know um instructional porn for example so someone who is literally just guiding you through a self-pleasure session or you know telling you how to masturbate in that moment that is a like that's a tool that I use for the men that I work with who maybe don't have a partner and I um they maybe they have a bit of um, anxiety or trepidation about being sexual with another person. This is a beautiful way of like creating a little bit of that um, virtual connection between them and like the person who's in that space with them. Um, and some of those are videos, some of them are just audio, but it's, a, you know, it's, it's a practice. It's a practice. They can go, wow, that was, you know, really, um, you know, and, and there's genres of that as well. So there's, you know, genres that are like really, um, power play dynamics and it's very like dom sub type scenario um or there's other ones that are like really uh affirmative and like really um there's a lot of positive um you know positive phrases in there and like telling you how how like uh, wonderful you are and how amazing you are and both of those can be used for different experiences right and yeah um, and they elicit certain responses as well and that's what i think is like really um fascinating as well as with, with certain clients like wow I had a lot of resistance to being told like how attractive I am but they found like it very easy to drop into a space of being humiliated it's like oh that's interesting let's explore that a bit more right or, or vice versa they found it very very confronting to be told that they're a dirty little something but they found it very easy to slip into like being told that they're wonderful and amazing and things like that. It's like, okay, interesting. There's something there. Let's explore that a bit more. So they learn something about themselves. And I think porn is really good at helping us learn things about ourselves if we're open to using it in that particular way. Um, you know, there's other things like um, 
you know, ASMR porn. And, you know, the ASMR community will very much tell you that it's not pornographic and that it's not sexual in nature at all. <laughs> but we know that that, like, um, that response that we get, if people aren't unfamiliar with ASMR, it's, you know, the uh, audio sensory um, oh, motor receptor, whatever it's called. I yeah. don't know the exact terminology, but it's the the tingling that we get in the back of our neck or the hair standing up on the back of our neck when someone whispers in our ear. And so there's the whole genre of uh, audio and some of it I classify as, you know, pornographic audio where people are doing that and making noises and, and you know, um, eliciting that response. And that can be a really interesting space for people to explore as well because there's no visual stimuli um, and there's no real, like, sex stimuli at all but it's just like eliciting a sensation in your body and that's like a really cool space to be it's like okay i'm literally viscerally feeling this experience in my body through the hairs and the tingling um from this sound right and so uh, that's a really cool thing to explore and then there's erotic stories i've had other clients like really enjoy someone telling them an erotic story and there's like a couple of ways that that can be framed it's like someone just like you know reading out a short story Right. And there's no like necessarily connection to it. They're just reading out an erotic story. Um, it could be someone recounting their own erotic story that also shifts the perspective a little bit and changes the experience. But there's also another one where like you're brought into the story as well. And they're like, you know, you did this. And then, you know, and they're talking directly at you. That could be a really different experience. So, um, yeah, and all those things like have, have, um, you know, slightly different, uh, like they elicit slightly different sensations in the body and they, uh, and, and like I said, they're, they're good learning tools. Um, but beyond that, there's like erotic literature as well. You could read a short story. I got some clients who are like, get them to write their own stories down based yeah. on their own previous experiences or based on their fantasies. And then they read that back to themselves and they find that really erotic or they read it to their partner. Um, and so there, yeah, there's so many like interesting ways that I think are really fun to explore. Um, but, you know, I, I recognize that a lot of people like to watch porn and that's totally you know, valid. And so one strategy that I suggest, in fact, there's two strategies here that are interlinked um, mm-hmm. that I think are really, um, I think actually quite important is um, like if you're going onto a tube site, right? And so firstly, I, I recommend going onto um, someone's personal, you know, if you, if, you, if you like a particular performer, find a personal site of theirs, whether it's uh, an OnlyFans account or whether it's their personal, you know, pornographic website and pay for their their content um, as opposed to maybe using it for free. But I recognize that's not necessarily accessible. I know Pornhub's really tightened its security recently um, after they had some very exploitative um, issues. Uh, but if you're, um, yeah, if you're, if you're using uh, free to use porn from a tube site and I can't stop you from doing that, um, my suggestion would be, to um when you click on the the video choose one video right don't have multiple videos open choose one video that and you know take a moment to be like okay what am i interested in what's turning me on right now because you probably already have a thought in your head like well i'm really wanting to watch um you know this particular genre or i'm really feeling this at the moment like if you pay attention for a few moments you will know oh this is what's turning me on right now i'm going to go and watch that particular genre so take a moment to do that and then find one video and i suggest finding a 20 minute video. So don't find a two minute video. Don't find a compilation as well. Um, find a 20 minute scene. Um, and you can, you can search, you can filter by that. Take that 20 minute scene. And then, um, and here's the trick, because there's so many distractions on porn sites that, especially on tube sites, there's so many things that are trying to vie for your attention, right? And, the, and so something to be mindful of is like these websites, because they're free, 
your attention is the currency there. And so the yep. longer that you stay on the website, the more that you click on things and the more data you can give them about your searching habits, the more uh, like they make from you, I suppose. So like your attention um, is the the economy there. So so to kind of bypass that, so to be mindful of it and to, then to bypass it is to pick one video, like I said, that's 20 minutes long and then maximize that video on your full screen so that you don't have anything on the side. There's no suggested videos underneath. They're not trying to get you to click on anything else. Um, yeah, an ad might pop up, but you can minimize that ad or put an ad locker on, but just have the full screen video there. So that way you're not tempted to be like, oh, what's this video on the side here? Or oh, I could just flick open this new tab. You've got the full screen in front of you to just be, and it sounds weird, but to like, to get lost in that particular scene, right? So there's a rhythm to a lot of pornography, right? It's kind of one of the reasons why it's so entertaining is because there is a rhythm to it. And if you start to, you know, be a bit more mindful about like your arousal in those spaces, you might find that, you know, there'll be parts where they speed up uh, in, you know, the sexual activity that they're doing or where they slow down or where it gets a bit more heated and intense or when it backs off a little bit. And so you can follow along with your own self-pleasuring in that moment. And maybe you can start to be like, what is it about this that's really turning me on? Is it, you know, and look beyond like the act of sex itself or, you know, and sex there, I mean, like holistically, it could be masturbation, penetrative, whatever. But then like, is it the way that the frame is, you know, shot? Is it the, the lighting? Is it like this particular thing that this part of the body is doing? Like, what is it beyond the simple act of the sexual experience itself that, that it's like building arousal in you? And like I said, stick with that one video. And if you make it that 20 minutes, and I usually suggest to guys that are self-pleasuring to go for a, a, about 20 minutes, that's a good space, at least in my mind. But if you go longer, that's totally fine. If you go shorter, that's also fine. Um, but if you go longer, stick with the same video. Don't choose another video. Go back to the start of that video and watch it again and notice what else turns you on this time. Is there something different that turns you on? Is there something else that you didn't notice last time? That's quite arousing to you know, have a bit of a, a play around with like what it is that your awareness is drawn to and um, what it is that's arousing to you. Because yeah, the, the like where it becomes problematic in my opinion is like clicking and clicking and clicking and getting to the next video and trying to jump to the next scene and trying to skip around to, you know, that perfect thing that can be, that can be, that can cause issues. Right. And, and it can really bring us out of our embodied experience and put us into our head and put us into like clicking and then beyond that as well, we're giving just like more and more information to these porn sites and they're getting more and more data from us. And, and that's kind of what they're designed to do. So it's like, let's have a couple of strategies to minimize that. Um, so those are my suggestions is like one video full screen and just like play around with that particular video. So hopefully that wasn't too much of a ramble. I just wanted to like jump in there and say that. That's amazing. And I think that that is something anyone viewing porn, regardless of genital configurations or gender identity could give a try. Because what I'm hearing there is that's, first of all, making it so that you don't fracture your attention, that you actually give your attention to to the porn that you're watching. And I a question came up for me, Cam, like when you suggest this to clients for the first time, do they struggle with that? With like actually being really present with the fact that they're being present with porn? Like, I'm just, I'm wondering how is that? If you're so used to the jumping around and the two minutes here and the one minute here to actually make it big and just be like, this is what I'm watching. I'm I'm curious about the response to that. Yeah, you're 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 kind of right. Is it, if they are used to like that particular way of using porn, then it is a little bit harder for them. There is some resistance and some reluctance to do it. 
Um, but if they like, it's kind of subjective, right? If they, if they do have a bit of a, like I've got guys that haven't watched porn for a couple of years and I talk to them about my opinion about porn and they're like, Oh, that actually sounds healthier than me just fully abstaining because I have a desire and I'm kind of trying to squish that desire to watch porn. And like, I'm noticing that, you know, I, I follow these, you know, models on IG instead, or, you know, that I'm doing this instead. So it's like, okay, well, let's develop a bit of a healthier relationship. So it's really dependent upon like what their current use of porn looks like. And that kind of determines whether it lands for them, whether it's easier for them or whether they have a lot of resistance for the, for, for like that shift. Um, but typically like I do it in conjunction with a few other things as well. Right. So I'll, I'll talk to them about like how to breathe differently. And so how to slow their experience of arousal down as well, because that can be something that, that catches them off guard is like, Oh, I've just gotten really hyper aroused and now I'm on the verge of ejaculating and, and like, and that can cause a bit of anxiety for them as yeah. well because they didn't realize how quickly they got there. Um, or they went from zero to 10 without really noticing all the beautiful spaces in between. Um, so I talked about like, you know, breathing down into their body. I talked about standing up and moving their body as well. So they've got like, you know, a bit more of a full body experience as opposed to like a hyper-focused localized experience in the genitals. Uh, so all these other things as well in conjunction with like the changing of the way that they use porn can help uh, make that transition and make that new habit a little bit easier to form, I suppose. Thank you for indulging my curiosity there. Because because <laughs> I think there's, you know, I'm noticing some themes here where we have this, you know, shame hanging around in the background that when you start stepping out from behind it and going, okay, well, if porn is just a tool, it's, you know, an opportunity for fantasy fuel and I can be mindful about the types of tools that I choose, then it sounds like what you're inviting in is this curiosity and playfulness in terms of, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And, you know, prompting people to start exploring themselves, how porn can fit in to their lives in a way that's ethical and also like deeply pleasurable, right? Like, and I heard you talking about, you know, exploring and trying out different things. I'm wondering, you know, is there anything our listeners or viewers can can do to really start amplifying pleasure on that journey? Yeah, I mean the first thing I want to acknowledge here is like and and this um there's a great book actually called Ethical Born for Dicks by David Lay, which I recommend. Yeah. Um it's very conversational as well, so it's not academic heavy, which is fantastic. Um, but something he mentions in there and something I want to mention here as well is like there are people who have a very poor relationship with pornography and with sexually explicit material in general and who know if they go and use pornography that it becomes a slippery slope for them too easily and they'll get sucked back into really problematic behaviors. And so that's, again, I want to acknowledge like there will be people maybe listening to this conversation now who do know that about themselves. And so, again, I'm not promoting that you go out and watch porn if you know that that's going to be problematic for you um and so i just wanted to to highlight that and say like you know it's, it's a subjective relationship it's like what is your particular relationship with sexually explicit material um and find what works for you find what's healthy for you um but some suggestions for like you know starting to explore um you know pleasure i suppose and desire and arousal in, in different ways it's like um, well, firstly, stand up when you watch pornography. Like that's a that's a massive one. And, and Joseph Kramer calls that a leverage practice. 
The reason why he calls it a leverage practice is because it's very simple to do, but um, because it's so simple, uh, you can leverage it to, to explore a bunch of other things. And so, um, you know, one of the reasons uh, is like when we're sitting down or when we're lying down, we're in a very stagnant stationary position, right? Which is not very conducive for exploring our body. It's not very conducive for breathing deeply. It's not very conducive for noticing sensations in our body as well, because we're, there's a lot of tension patterns in our body, particularly if you masturbate the same way every single time that you masturbate. Like if it's that jackhammer style motion up and down with your arm, like the tension in your shoulder, your forearm, your wrist is going to be like, you're, you're not going to notice that if that's what you're doing every single time, because it's just going to be automatic. It's going to be like muscle memory. So when you stand up and you start to like open your chest and maybe get into a bit of a wider stance and start to like, you know, notice things about your body, like oh, I'm, I'm a bit tight there in my lower back. Maybe I can just move my back a little bit or on oh, my shoulders, I can just roll my body and open up my body a bit more. And, and that's kind of the reason why he referred to it as yoga to begin with is because you do start to move your body a little bit more around. So that's, that's like my suggestion is stand up and start to move. Um, in conjunction with that, like start to touch your whole body as well. So a lot of guys, um, I'm not sure why this is, I kind of have my suspicions, but when I talk to guys about like their self-pleasuring and masturbation, it's very common for them to tell me that they only touch their genitals. And I'm like, well, what's wrong? What's, what's stopping you from touching other areas of the body? And a lot of times they can't necessarily articulate why they don't touch their chest or their face or their body or anything else like that. Um, I kind of think it's because there's this um, pleasure negative um, you know, framework around you know, sex and masturbation in general, and because there's like a fear of guys being labeled maybe weird or gay or some other, you know, detrimental, perceived detrimental thing. Um, so I get men to really start to explore, you know, they, they can start with just their inner groin and inner thigh, maybe their lower belly and lower abdomen, because that feels a little bit safer for them. But then I get them to like start exploring their body, you know, start to, you can use a little bit of warm oil. You know, I'm a big fan of um, self-massage so you know get some warm oil and just start to like rub your body and notice what areas of your body feel really pleasurable to touch and what areas of your body maybe don't feel as pleasurable because there will be you know subjective places on each and every one of our bodies um, and so that's like take a bit of an inventory of like what it is that turns you on and what type of touch is really arousing to you and what isn't um, that's called yeah, the, the practice of that is called pleasure mapping, where you're literally mapping your pleasure across your body. And you can do that solo. You can also do it with a partner, right? They can use their hands to map pleasure across your body. So um, that's a really fun practice to do. And it gets you, you know, thinking a little bit more holistically about your pleasure, as opposed to, like I said, really focused and localized in on your cock and balls. Um, another suggestion I have is like breathing. So learning how to deeply breathe down into your belly. This is known as diaphragmatic breathing. Uh, totally changes your experience of arousal in particular. Um, and the reason why is because like chest breathing or thoracic breathing, like breathing up into your clavicles and up into your collarbones is uh, a really good way of engaging the sympathetic nervous system. And the sympathetic nervous system, if people are familiar with it, is responsible for like the fight or flight or freeze or fornicate or feed response, right? Um, and it's also... The, the nervous system that's engaged uh, or the, the branch of the nervous system that's engaged when ejaculation occurs. So if you're finding that you're arousing very quickly and getting to ejaculation quite quickly, it's usually because you've got a really engaged sympathetic nervous system. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. That's just you know what the sympathetic nervous system does. 
So when you drop your breath down into your belly and really slow the breathing down and use you know, engage the diaphragm, which is this you know, big dome-shaped muscle underneath the ribs. So when you breathe in, the belly expands like a balloon and you breathe out, the belly draws back in towards the spine. That's a really simple but effective way of shifting from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for your rest and digest response, your relaxation response. And, you know, when you slow your breathing down, typically you relax a little bit more. Your muscles release a little bit of tension. You start to you know, notice a bit more spaciousness or openness in your body, particularly around the hips and the pelvis as well, where typically a lot of guys tense and squeeze yeah. as they get closer and closer to ejaculation. Um, so if you can relax and, um, you know, let go and release that tension from particularly those areas of the body, the sensation of arousal really starts to change. And it starts to change from like this uh, sharp peak of tension and buildup to uh, a slower, more diffuse experience that you feel in more areas of your body uh, because you're literally not holding tension in there. You've got some space for yourself to feel that experience of pleasure. Um, and it's you know one way of like prolonging the experience of having a heightened sensation of pleasure of playing around and that heightened you know, experience of pleasure as well. Like, you know, a lot of guys uh, who maybe aren't familiar with edging or aren't familiar with like other sexual practices might find it difficult to control themselves when they're in that heightened state of arousal, when they're experiencing a lot of pleasure, it might tip them over the edge really quickly. Um, and so one strategy for managing or navigating that is spend a bit of time in that space. So spend a bit of time in that heightened state of arousal, in that really heightened state of pleasure and get familiar with it. And so a good way of getting familiar with it and staying in that space is by slowing the breathing down, by keeping yourself in that heightened state of arousal so that it feels comfortable for you so that you can spend more time in it when you're alone, but also when you're with a partner and you can be in that heightened state of pleasure with another person. Um, it's a good way of like learning how to last longer, I suppose, but also yeah. how to like hold that pleasure for your partner as well. So it's a great practice. Yeah, our solo play is such a like a wonderful learning lab and the things that you learn there you can bring to partnered sex if that's what you choose to do. But yeah, oh I love that. And you know, that's that's talking about building capacity is what you're talking about there in part totally. that you know the more you you practice and little by little the more pleasure you are able to feel because it is one of those things that is a practice, which is why we're often talking about practices, right? Cam, I have a feeling we could go on forever <laughs> because there's always I, I could talk for ages. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm so grateful to you for your generosity and coming and because I kind of feel like what I need to do is get the transcript of this and make like like just a, a handout to go with it because you've dropped so many gems that people can apply immediately. And so I'm wondering, you know, Cam, if anybody wanted to go a bit deeper into this topic in particular, uh, I think you've got a course. Is that right? Yeah, so I've got a course which is, um, you know, playfully named Outperform a Porn Star. And the, the name itself is a bit of a um, tongue-in-cheek reference to the the um the idolization of porn sex essentially right um you know a lot of a lot of guys think that what it means to be good at sex is to do what they see you know johnny sins do or do what they see um 
you know, Danny D do, I don't know, other Kieran Lee, other male porn stars. Um, and that's like to just be straight for penetration, pump away for 45 minutes and then ejaculate a big load at the end. And like, that's one way of having sex, but it's not the best way of having sex. And um, I would say, you know, if that is the only way that you're having sex and that's what you're epitomizing, then it's going to get boring very quickly. So, you know, I start to say like, you know, what if you could have full body orgasms? What if you could have multiple orgasms? What if you could share multiple orgasms with a partner? What if you could have deeply intimate, connected, passionate sex that explored your fantasies and desires and honored boundaries and turnoffs? Like if you could do that, you'd be outperforming any porn star that you see on screen because, and here's a fun fact, they don't enjoy the sex that they're having. The way that I start the course off is with a bunch of quotes from interviews of different male porn stars and, and female porn stars. Um, describing how little they enjoy the sex they're having on screen and how much better it is off screen because on screen it's a job and it has to look a certain way. And it's, you know, it's just all about going through the motions essentially to get the shot. Uh, and so that's really reframing your experience of quote unquote performance to be more oriented towards pleasure, right? So instead of being performance oriented, let's be pleasure oriented. And then you wouldn't worry about what the sex looked like because if you were both experiencing pleasure in the exact way that you wanted it, then who fucking cares what it looked like. So um, <laughs> that's the that's the premise of the course, I suppose. And so within that, I talk about, um, you know, I talk about like a lot of things, like everything I've spoken about today. There's also a whole module there on, you know, pornography and how to use porn. Um, there's breathing exercises, there's stretching exercises, there's self-pleasure practices, there's partner play practices. Um, yeah, it's a six-week program that I'm quite proud of because it took me a little while to put together. But um, yeah, so I appreciate you letting me spruik it. Uh, so yeah, if guys want to check that out, um, they can hit me up on social media or they can go to my website. Yes. And there will be links, links everywhere. So either in the show notes, if you're listening to this on your podcast player of choice, or you'll find it in the uh, description of this video, if you're so fortunate to be uh, checking out the video version of the of the show. Cam. You great enabler of choice and pleasure among the masses. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here. Is there anything else you want to shout out? Any parting words? Oh, um, nothing I necessarily want to shout out, but I just want to encourage people to just like stay curious, stay curious about their pleasure, stay curious about their relationship with porn, stay curious about their relationship with masturbation and, you know, with their partner, be curious about their partner's body, be curious about their own body. Just curiosity is such a fucking underrated um tool i suppose you know tool or mindset um but yeah just be curious about it beautiful couldn't agree more cam thank you so much and thank you everybody for spending some of your time with us here i hope you have a chance to enjoy some uncommon pleasure i, I think there's something for everyone to take away from here so all right until the next time bye-bye Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to sluttyactivism.com and learn how you can get started changing the world with pleasure. Also, make sure to follow the show so that you get notified when I drop a new episode. And if you want to connect with other like-minded people, come join us in Certainty for Overthinkers, the Slutty Activism Podcast Community Facebook group. Hope to see you there.